In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. What's the most important thing as a man seeking to become his best version? Is it love? Is it power? Is it vision? Is it the Bible? You might be surprised at what I have to say. Stay tuned. Man in the Arena Army, I salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Man in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide to helping you become the best version of man inside the stress bubble of life and beyond. I am the host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Thank you for making that so. Hey guys, as you know, 2023 is our goal to have 365 hero stories in 365 days. We've launched this campaign because we know that this ministry is seeing many, many, many lives change, thousands of lives change, and we want to hear from you guys. If we hear your life change story and uh, we share it on this podcast, we will send you some swag to say thank you. Hey, this week's hero story is number 24, and we are on track, by the way, to have 365 hero stories at least. This one's number 24. It's from Robbie on Facebook. He said, hey, I just listened to the Calm Parenting podcast. That episode was legit. There's so much to unpack in this episode. My wife and I are foster parents, and much of this can be used to build relationships and communicate with our strong-willed foster children. I'll be sharing it with my men's group. Men in the Arena has been a game-changer for me and my walk with Christ. I thank God for you guys and your efforts. Now let's go do things. Hey, I agree, Robbie. Thank you so much. The topic today I want to talk about is a godly man's greatest asset. Now I know you might think, oh, it's love. It's actually something before love. There's something that happens before love, in my opinion, that this attribute is something that you need to really consider as a foundation to love. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, we see this. It says, take on the attitude of Jesus Christ. And Paul launches into this, this dialogue that we're going to talk about in a second. I'm going to start with a story. So I want to tell you a story of two guys. One dude was a guy who was a full-time employee at a church I worked at. At the time, he was the janitor. He felt called to full-time ministry, but he got fired after about six months because he refused to clean the toilets. And so his job was to clean the toilets, and he refused to, and so he was fired. Uh, that guy uh, uh, did not end up going into full-time ministry. He's uh, God only knows where he's at today. This other guy is a 15-year-old kid in my youth group. Uh, he had a type 1 diabetes. He was from a non-Christian household. Man, this guy was bouncing off the walls. He gave his life to Christ. He said, hey, I want to help with the middle school group. At the time, our middle school group had 150 kids coming every week. We had like 15 staff. It was insane. And if you've ever done youth ministry before, you know, with middle school, it's not about the kid. It's about the, the amoeba. 
You're trying to control the beast. So here's these kids just running. It's insanity, right? So in the middle of this insanity, in the middle of trying to control the beast, I, I have this tug on my leg. And I hear this, Jim, 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 Jim. And it's it's this young man. And he's bugging me. I'm trying to control the crowd. I finally turn to him. I go, hey, listen, can you please knock it off? I told you not to be disruptive. If you're going to be a part of our middle school group. I need you to help and not tug on my my pants, my pants. And he said, hey, he goes, we kind of have a problem. I said, what? He said, a middle school boy dropped a dookie on the bathroom floor. It was the first time in my life I'd ever heard the word dookie. So I'm thinking to myself, what's a dookie? What is it like a, what is a dookie? Is it like a Twinkie? What is it? And I realized, oh, a kid went poop on the bathroom floor. Well, then I started thinking, oh man, I mean, I hope the kid didn't have corn. You know, I hope he had a big steak dinner. You know, I mean, I got to go clean this thing because that's a, that's the job of a youth pastor. You clean up the messes. And so I thought, oh man, I hope this is not too bad. And then this young man said, hey, don't worry, Jim. I just want to let you know I cleaned it up myself. So here's two drastically different stories. But the story of this young man who cleaned the dookie, I propose, did it out of a spirit of humility. And that spirit of humility manifested in love cleaning up the bathroom stall for his youth pastor and mentor. Have you ever thought about this? What do these words have in common, guys? Spot check. Dibs. Shotgun. You know, we live in a world where we fight for the best spot in line, don't we? And, and I've experienced people cutting in line all the time. And I think there are several reasons why people cut in front of other people. One reason is they want to be first, so they're just selfish. Another reason is they want to push their way uh, in front of others to prove their superiority. That's your classic bully. Another reason they do this is they've never been told it's rude. That just explains about every foreigner I see on a trail hiking. They, they walk on the, their side of the road, which in, in these other countries is the, the side of the road that I'm walking up. You know, Another reason why is they've been told what they're doing is wrong, but they're just rude and they don't care and they're arrogant. And so, you know, it's really interesting. When I, when I look at people who insist, I see this in the church. I see this with church attenders. When, when I look at these people, it reminds me of a 1980 Chevy Blazer that somebody gave me years ago. The, the Blazer was literally spray-painted green. We had no money. I was a youth pastor, so we had one car. And then this friend gave me this car to drive because he didn't need it. So I'm driving this car, and the back window in those old Blazers, would, it was an automatic window that went up and down. And it was tinted, but over the course of time, the tinting had been so badly damaged that not only could you not see in to the blazer, but you could not see out of the blazer. And I, when I think of the selfish, prideful man or woman, I think of a person who is unable to see beyond themselves and to have the clarity to live a biblical life. And so I want to talk to you about this because I think when I look at the church and I see 20% of people church serving and 80% not, when I see 80% of the bleachers in a church is filled with anonymous males and not the 20% active men, we have a problem. People waste their lives looking out a window that they cannot see clearly through. You know, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, we see dimly as in a mirror, but one day we'll see face to face. So I want to talk to you today about being a godly man, a man of humility. So I want to talk you through 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. I'm going to do something I, I don't ever do. I'm going to oscillate between the New American Standard Bible and the message paraphrase. Now, you notice I call the message a paraphrase because the message, Eugene Peterson's message, which I have, is not a Bible translation. It is a paraphrase. Okay, so I'm going to go from the, a paraphrase of the Bible to a Bible translation back and forth because I believe that Eugene Peterson's a paraphrase of this passage of Scripture is beautiful. And here's what he says. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now here's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in the New American Standard Bible translation says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as better than yourself. Each of you should not only look out to your own interests, but also the interests of others. So let's break this down. And let's discover this morning or this afternoon or whatever it is, wherever you're at, let's discover what a man of humility. We talk about this being your greatest asset. What does this look like? Well, So Paul says in the message paraphrase, don't push your way to the front. Translated in the New American Standard, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. The man of humility, listen, puts others on display before himself. We live in a world that wants to be on display. We live in a social media world that says, follow me, like me, love me, share my stuff. But the man of humility puts others on display instead of himself. You see, God, here's what I've learned about God, you guys. The God loves to put those on display who put others on display. Look out the window when you succeed to give others credit for your success and look in the mirror when you fail. I mean, our ministry's exploded. Do you think it's exploded because of me? I'm just the guy producing the videos. It's exploded because of all the people behind the scenes doing all the work and all the brains. I am just the talent. John 3.30, the greatest words ever spoken by a man. And this is a message paraphrase. Listen to this. This, John the Baptist, the greatest words ever said by a man. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip to the sidelines. In some translations, it records John the Baptist saying, he must increase, I must decrease. In other words, it is time for him to be on display. You know, it's really interesting. Our podcast in January had 10,000 more downloads than any other month in the six years we've been producing this podcast. But you know what's interesting? This podcast exploded when we decided to stop trying to put our ministry on display and we try to put others on display. I'll read 50 books a year, 40 to 50, 60 books a year. Last year I read 60 books. So I could bring a guys onto my show and highlight their book and honor them and honor the work they put into that book and put them on display so that you're buying their books, that you're logging into their ministry, that you become one of their followers. And we're doing that because we realize that the kingdom of God works that way. We're all on the same team. But the moment that we started highlighting all of these guys, think of Kirk Martin and his Calm Parenting podcast. What an amazing ministry. We just, wow, we just pray that God blesses that ministry because, man, we need help, don't we? But you know what happens is when we put uh, the Calm Parenting podcast and that ministry on display, God puts us on display because we're honoring one of his kingdom principles. And that is 
He wants us to let others get ahead. God has blessed us. Why? Because we believe in the kingdom principles of serving and being humble before those who we serve in ministry with. So not only does a man of humility push others to the front and put them on display, but he puts them on his shoulders. Listen to this. Paraphrased in the message translation again. Message paraphrase. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. The New American Standard translates it this way in verse 3. But in humility, consider others as better than yourself. You see, the man of humility lifts others up by carrying their burdens. He serves people in need and carries those who are struggling. You know, uh, Wes Stafford, who's the president emeritus of Compassion International, who's been on our podcast numerous times, said this, A man never stands so tall than when he stoops down to love a child. Think about that. That is a powerful, powerful statement. So my question to you, men, where you're, when you're driving to work, when you're in your study, listen to this. Who needs your shoulders? You know, I can tell you one guy that that his shoulders are pretty useful. In 1 Peter 2.24, speaking of Jesus, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins, live for righteousness by his wounds, you are healed. How about Galatians chapter 6, verse 2? Carry each other's burdens, carry them, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You know, it's really interesting, you guys. When we moved to McMinnville, Oregon in 2003, we bought a, a house we never thought we'd own a home. We bought a home. Uh, it was a brand new home. It had no fence, no lawn, no shrubs, no trees, no shade. It was brutal. We, we weren't, we we're from the coast in California. We were not used to this weather. We get here, uh, a, a family in the church that I was working at owned a landscaping company. They donated all of the supplies and all of the labor, and they put in a full irrigation system. I bought sod and the, and I had numerous people come and lay all the sod with me in a hundred degree weather. I had a man build he, he designed, built the fence for us. I paid for the lumber and I helped him, but he built the fence. I mean, it's unbelievable. But the story I remember the most is after all this is done, another man said, hey, I want to donate all the money to buy. I want to donate all of the trees, all the shrubs, all the bushes, everything. So he came over one day and it was summer, but I remember it had rained and the water was, it was muddy and gross. And we had to plant trees. And so he showed up in this, this is a very, very successful businessman. He showed up wearing in shorts and penny loafers of all things. And he delivered the trees and he brings his shovel out and he starts digging a hole. He's digging a hole for the tree with his penny loafers and his shorts in his rich guy outfit. And I remember stopping and saying, dude, what are you doing, man? Do you know, I appreciate the trees and shrubs. I'll plant them. And he said something to me I never forgot. He said, this is what we do. And I've pondered that for years and years. Was he talking about he and his family? Was he talking about the church? And I realized the we in his statement was we as Christian men. This is what we do. We serve others in humility. It is the greatest asset we have. You see, the man of humility puts others on display and he carries them through Christian service, but he also does this in verse 4. So look at Philippians. Well, you can't look because you're driving. Don't look at the Bible. Anyway, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, 
in the message paraphrase, we read this, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. In the New American Standard translation, verse 4, Philippians chapter 2 says, not only, look out, not only for your interests, so not looking out for your own interests. See, the man of humility helps others win. He looks to help others as a way of life, and he trusts God to take care of his wins. So he doesn't focus on his wins. He And I know this runs contrary to everything you've learned, but hey, you know what? The world is mostly wrong. So uh, what I'm telling you is biblical truth. He, he looks to help others win, and in helping them win, he wins. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we always, as Christian men, we want to look to help others win. So I got to tell you a story. So when I was in, uh, right out of college, so I played college football. Right after college football, I moved back home, and we had a tradition in college, even after college, we would play this at Thanksgiving. We'd all get together, all the high school, college guys, all the guys from my town, and we had a turkey bowl. And every year, I was picked to be one of the captains. And there's another guy who was always picked to be a captain. He was about five, six years older than me, and he was obsessed with beating us. And he never beat us in all the years we played the turkey bowl. And so here was, I'm going to tell you my method of picking teams. So we'd line up, and he'd have all his ringers, and all the guys he would pick. And I was six foot, about 220 at the time. I was a big kid, just got done playing college football. I was in shape. I was ready to go. I picked my little brother first. Tommy was, they called him the stick man. Not the hit man, the stick man. He was five foot nine, 125 pounds. My opponent would pick the next ringer. Then I'd pick my stepbrother, Mitch. Mitch was like the stick man, only taller. He was six foot one. He weighed about 150 pounds. Then my opponent would pick his ringer, and I'd pick my stepbrother, who was a young guy, like five years younger than us, and he was about 140 pounds. We'd play this flag football game, and I picked my family first. And you know what? It's interesting because I'm going to be really honest. They weren't the best people to pick. But the fact that I picked them first elevated them in their mind. And to this day, my brother, who's in his 50s, will say, bro, remember that? Those turkey bowls? Man, we never lost. And I, I smile, and I just think, I love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> because I chose, I chose him. I chose to elevate him and to help him win because I know knew that he would not be picked first. None of them would have been. But the fact that I chose them first elevated them. It was being more concerned with their win than my win. And then because of that, we all win. So it was a win-win. So that's just a really vivid memory to me of a moment in time where that we are allowed to do that for somebody else. So the bottom line is this. Always be ready to look for an opportunity to help someone in need. Look at this uh, uh, paraphrase of the message that says this. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Verse 4b of Philippians chapter 2 in the New American Standard says this, but also the interests of others. You see, the man of humility lets others cut in on him. He lends a helping hand. He's always willing to lend a helping hand. You know, God, I had this thought when I was putting this together for you guys. God gave us two hands. I believe he did that so we can lend one to somebody else. We've got a spare. We might as well lend it to somebody else. I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. 
And in Galatians 5.13, Paul writes, But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Instead, serve one another in love. You know, I want to end with a story about a guy I went to elementary school with. His name was Patrick. He was the guy that was always picked last. He was the smartest kid in our little elementary school. He was the smallest kid in our elementary school. He was a little bit quirky, if I'm being honest. Uh, but, you know, it's really interesting. He was always picked last. I remember he came to my birthday party, I, I you know, because I felt I just was like, I'll invite all the guys. So so he and I became kind of friends because I didn't want to have him left out in my you know, third grade class. Then I moved away about two years later, and I really never saw Pat again until about five years ago. So I'm in my 50s. I get an email from this guy out of the blue. He went on to become a biochemical engineer. This guy's a genius. So he sends me this letter, and I want to read this letter to you. This is mind-boggling. He said, Jim, I wanted to tell you something I thought about a while back. When we were still together in second or third grade, we were having a classroom PE softball game. As usual, I was one of the last picked, but we had a bases loaded situation and I was coming up to bat. The other kids were probably just expecting me to strike out like usual, but you came up to me and approached me to the plate and you gave me a few quick instructions. You said, Pat, hey man, just point your elbow at the ball, keep your eyes open and look at the pitch. You're gonna be good, you'll do fine. He said, anyway, I hit a pitch, I hit that pitch for a single. It was my first RBI in my life. It was the start of too many great games to count. From then on, I was able to step up to play with a little bit more confidence. Later in life, uh, that was one of the building blocks for me to my willingness to try a whole bunch of athletic, physical things that seemed completely impossible to this bookie nerdy kid that you helped. Eventually, I played college rugby, many, many corporate softball league games, and too many soccer games to count. You gave me an important moment in my early life, and I wanted to share that with you, Patrick. And I just thought that that blew me away that an event that happened in second grade, we were seven. This young, this guy remembered and it carried him to his adult life. Listen, guys, you never know the lives will you, you will change when you stoop down to put somebody on your shoulders, when you lend a helping hand, when you help other people to win, when you act as a man of humility, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So my question today is this, guys. Who are you serving? Who have you voluntarily put on your shoulders? And don't tell me your children. Don't tell me your wife. You are mandated to do that. Who are you doing this for that you are not mandated to serve? Are you serving in your church? Are you serving in your community? Guys, if you are not, you are an anonymous male in the bleachers. And my prayer for you is that you become a man who puts others on his shoulders, that you become a man who helps others win, that you become a man who is a man of humility. Guys, make sure you head on over to my website, manandarena.org, and we have a brand new resource for you. It's the Man Laws book, 101 Ways to Lose Your Man Card and Rules to Live By. Guys, you, if you do not laugh yourself into hysteria by the pictures let me know. I mean, because you must, I mean, because you must not have a pulse because this book, this is not what I would say a Christian book. It's a book I wrote, just a fun book uh, with some man laws that are fun, some are deep. You are going to love this book. I just love this book. Anyway, hey guys, our man laws are supplied by you.
Uh, and this man law actually is not in the book. So this man law came from Eric V and he said this, and I had to laugh. This man law called me, caused me to ponder. He said, don't be afraid to be a minivan dad. Hmm. Okay. Prove it. He continued. There's room for two car seats, a dog and a freshly killed deer. Now you got me listening. He said next year, he's going to send me a picture with a deer in the back seat because he didn't have a lot of luck this year. Well, maybe it was because you're driving in a minivan, Eric. I'm just kidding. Hey, Eric, that's a great man law. Guys, a man is is not what a man drives. A man is as a man does. So thanks, Eric, for that reminder. Head on over to benarena.org. You can grab your free copy. Well, it's going to cost you an email. So uh, give us your email. We'll, we'll give you a, a copy of that download. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.